Welcome to the All In Remote Podcast, where we believe that companies can unlock their potential, build healthy resilience, and succeed in an increasingly volatile world. We'll explore the new challenges of leadership, best practices for developing culture and trust, and the innovative tools that help make it possible. Here's your host, Kendra Kinnison. In episode 10, with a panel of our team members, we explored how working remotely intersects with parenting. In this episode, we're going to add a European perspective to this conversation. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Ruben Munoz Aguilera. Ruben, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Kendra, for having me. I mean, this is really a pleasure and an honor as well. Thank you. All right. So let's start with a bit of context. I'm curious. Were you working remotely pre-COVID or is that when things shifted for you? Everything changed with COVID. Previously, 100% at the office. It was very rare to have, I don't know, maybe one day because something happened or whatever, but all the time working at the office. And yeah, sometimes traveling as well, but this changed with COVID and now 100% working from home. You know, so this. <laughs> wow. Okay. So it did change on a dime in terms of going into the office and now working at home are synonymous with each other because Europe locked down quite strongly, correct? Yeah, it was really strong. And um, I mean, there were countries where really locked down even at your home. I mean, you couldn't even go, you know, outside. I mean, it was really um, incredible. I mean, it depends on the countries. But yeah, it was really a radical change for everyone. I think that at the beginning, we were all a little bit not sure of, okay, you know, how should I do? We were working with the laptops, you know, no screens at home. It was really kind of uncomfortable, but uh, you were trying to get the best out of the experience. But it was kind of difficult to get to the rhythm of working from home from one day to, to another, you know, really a little bit difficult. And then in terms of eventually finding that rhythm, is that something that the company sort of prescribed or is that something that you felt like you had to map out on your own? I will say that uh, this is something that I had to map on my own. And I think that, I know I cannot speak for my colleagues, you know, but I think that for everyone was a little bit different. I think that also depends on how, I don't know, how flexible you are or how, in my case, I'm, I'm quite um, strict with certain ways of doing things. And for me, it was a big change because I was used to get up at a certain time to prepare to go to work, uh, taking the bus at a certain time, you know, the train, etc. And all this changed, you know, and I was really lost at the beginning, really, really lost because, again, I'm kind of a habit guy. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really, it was, it was kind of difficult to find my rhythm at the beginning. Yeah, we share that, that love of, of habits and, and routine. So did you have to involve your family in kind of the decision making in finding that new routine? How did having that element impact it? For me, family is a major part, you know, so I started to think about how to fit what was important to me in terms of personal things, or I don't know how to say that, or personal well-being and, you know, the things that are, you know, that I need with the things that, you know, I wanted to keep providing to my family, you know, in terms of dedication, in terms of time, in terms of this and that, you know. So it was, uh, again, a back and forth, you know, on seeing how things work better or didn't work and uh, fine-tuning a little bit that process. I, I would say that, you know, the key element for me was to find in the right morning routine and also when to stop. I think that these were the two key elements. And then everything else fit in place, you know, somehow. So. <laughs> 
that was a similar theme that we heard from our team. So if it's okay, can we dig in there? What elements? Yeah. Let's dig into both of those. The, the morning routine, what did you decide was important there? Right. So for me, I really, I wake up very early or very early. I mean, it depends for who, but you know, really my time to wake up is, is kind of five to four in the morning, you know, and then I really immediately go to do my breathing exercises. So this is my Binghoff breathing exercises. I do it for around 15, 20 minutes. And this is always the same routine. So this is the first thing that I do. After that, you know, I refresh a little bit myself and then I start working. And I think that this is really good because I, I was able to put there a little bit more than an hour already, you know, working in the morning without any distraction. This has been one of the great things of working at home, I would say, you know. And then when I finish that, what I do is I do my 30 minutes workout. You know, I have... I created routines because this changed, you know, because before I was working mainly to the gym, but then working from home was, okay, not, not really an option. So I put my workouts in the morning, 30 minutes. I use kettlebells and over the time, I really created kind of four different days, you know, focusing on different elements and it's very intensive, <laughs> but really good. And then I go to the cold shower and what I do just right after that is to wake my family. So when my family prepare the breakfast, take care of my daughter, and uh, I really do almost everything in the morning and say goodbye to my daughter because now I'm the one staying at home and she's going to school, <laughs> which is a little bit crazy. But that allows me really to have this time in the morning with the family and with my daughter before she goes to school that I really, I really like. That's beautiful. Okay, so you get up extra early, you do your, your Wim Hof. I'm curious, do you go... Where do you do the the breathing and the and the kettlebells? You have a separate room in the house, or how do you do that? I move during this period of time. I move, you know, from a, a, my apartment that was previously just uh, I didn't have a spare room or a, an additional room, and now you know I moved six months already where I'm now, and here I have a, a spare room. You know, I have an, an additional room, and this is where I do all that. You know, before I I was doing that in the living room, <laughs> so <laughs> you know, so. I mean, you try to use the space that you have, you know, and, but now I have this room. Nobody is, is telling me anything because I'm, <laughs> I'm disturbing them. So everybody can sleep in peace. <laughs> Love <laughs> it. So it's your, it's your office slash gym, the workout room. Yeah. Okay, good. So you do the breathing, then you get in about an hour of focused work. Then yeah. you do your workout. Then you do your famous cold shower. I think that's originally how we connected was exploring that. And then you kind of go into dad mode for a bit. Correct. Correct. Okay. That is really good. And then I can really start then afterwards when I say, you know, bye to my daughter, then I can really focus again on work. I also try to book this also early hours because on something that doesn't require, you know, meetings which most of the times I'm able to do it because here, I mean, the U.S. is still, you know, <laughs> still sleeping. So we have certain connection with the Asia Pacific zone, etc. But we can manage that. So I think that the mornings are also try to really to book time to, to do kind of things that are really require more focus. And usually it's in the afternoons where we have the craziness of meetings. <laughs> so. Love it. So you kind of theme your work blocks. Okay, so if that takes care right. of the morning... Let's talk about, like you said, knowing when to stop and how you stop. How do you think about that now? Right. And this is something that is more difficult to respect than in the morning. So I think that here that requires more flexibility. Again, especially working a lot with the, with the US you know, uh, and staying here in Europe. But I really have kind of 5, 5.30 p.m. the time to close activities. 
again, I really try to respect that as much as I can. Sometimes it's not really possible. You need to schedule something after that time. But in most of, on most of the cases, I think that this is feasible. Which means that at 5, 5.30 p.m., you are kind of, you close everything related to work and then you are fully available for your family. Okay, so that means that you are able to stay with your daughter for doing certain things. I don't know, just a little bit of playtime. Also just to prepare dinner, you know, to, you know, the shower or the bath and all these kind of things. And I'm the one also taking care of the dinner, you know, so that this is something that I really like to do. So this block, for, you know, from five till eight is really family time, you know, as I see it. Sometimes I was considering, okay, should I go back to the gym? But then said, okay, if I go to the gym, then it's going to take two hours because the time I go, you know, from here to the gym, then the time to do whatever, and then to come back, two hours, and then, you know, the family time is gone. There is one day a week where I go with my daughter to learn flute lessons. And, and this is something that it was really special, you know, because I never played any instrument in my life, you know. But when my daughter said, hey, I want to go, I mean, she has been doing kind of different classes for music, etc. When, when she said that she wanted to go for, for flute, I said, okay, well, let's go for that. And then all of a sudden I was in the same lesson because it's kind of a one-on-one lessons. What other key sort of interactions? You mentioned breakfast, you mentioned dinner, you've mentioned the flute. Any other key interactions that you really try to be intentional about for her? I think that in my case, I really try to have time without a very specific agenda with my daughter. I think that as parents, I don't know if this is the case, but but I think that maybe we tend to have always an agenda behind, you know? So, okay, you have to do this and you have the homework and then you have to do that and then you have to do boom, boom, boom. I like that. So (laughs) your point about being intentional about not having an agenda in our time with our kids and just letting them be kids. Yes, following them in their play. And again, it's kind of uh, many, I see that, you know, many parents are really resistant to engage, you know, in, in that, you know, and uh, I don't know, I see also see differences with my wife. I think that she's, she's more a little bit directive in certain areas, you know, and I'm a little bit more, okay, less, I don't need a, always an agenda, so... Good stuff. Have you had any other things that come to mind as big ahas in this shift, both in terms of being in the office, as you said, to now being at home and actually saying goodbye to your daughter as she goes to school, sort of the, the opposite, or parenting in general? I know this is something you've tried to be very intentional with. What other ahas or insights would you say have been helpful that you'd like to share with others? I don't know. Other things that have been really helpful, I think, or, or kind of um, surprised me during this time is, you know, it's the first time that my daughter is also kind of seeing her dad work. Because before it was, I mean, you go to work and then you come back and then your daughter is, I mean, Papa is going and coming back and he's doing something, you know. But I think that here, even though, I mean, it's still not, not very clear for her, you know, but uh, sometimes it's also difficult for you to understand, what, you know, but she's more connected as well, you know, to, okay, Papa is working and he's doing certain things. And he's also, I mean, she, I also allow her in most of the cases to come here to the, to the room, you know, unless there is something that I say, please don't, you know, don't enter the room, you know, 
But she's coming here. Sometimes I'm having, you know, some calls like this. And then she's looking at the, at the screen and saying, oh, you know, how many people? And then, you know, they, these are, I mean, from different places, uh, everybody also speaking in English, which is we speak Spanish at home, you know. So for her, it's kind of, oh, my, you know, my dad is, <laughs> I mean, stuck in English with other people working. This has been also a good thing I see, you know, or as I see that, you know, so she's more connected with what Papa is doing in this case and, uh, you know, with the work, etc. So I think that this has been a good thing of this working from home. Beautiful. I, I, that's a great perspective that now they can see into our world. My daughter's a little older. She's in her inner 20s. And to your point, that was the first time she'd ever seen me work and and she said, Mom, do you just FaceTime all day? You know, so, <laughs> which was a great, a great perspective on, you know, how, how we, we think about our work and that our kids put it in, in perspective for us. I think I remember a, a famous LinkedIn post where you grabbed a screenshot of being in a meeting while she was practicing a, a Taekwondo kick, I think, on you. So I, I I love that, uh, like you said, it's all fair game and she's able to come enjoy the space and, and see what your, your world looks like as well. Right. And I think that, again, it depends on, I mean, how serious is your job? I mean, if you have, you know, how, how can you manage it? But I see that, again, if most of your meetings are internal meetings, I mean, that doesn't mean that there are no serious meetings, okay? But, but I think that you can be a little bit flexible with that. Also depends on the culture of the company as well. But yeah, I think that, again, you can share a little bit of a space as well. The other thing that I think that also parents tend to do a lot is to say a lot of no's, you know, the power of the no. In my case, you know, I try to say no when there is, I mean, the no is quite clear, but if there is no need, I think that, you know, just you can try to do something without saying a no. So I think that I, this is how I try to approach it. In terms of really allowing her to see and be seen in your work culture, was that something that was discussed openly? Was that something that you and your colleagues just kind of did or that you just decided, I'm going to do this? Do you remember how you thought about that? No, I will say that, I mean, at the beginning, it was kind of, how should I behave here? You know, it's also you try to understand. And it's not like my daughter is showing up, you know, in every single meeting. And I, again, in most of the cases, she's around, but she's not kind of showing up the camera or whatever. But I would say that this was, I think that at work, it's kind of people are kind of work. And I mean, there is a clear difference, you know, between work and family in that case. So... Yeah, I will say that it's still not normalized as something that you can perceive that this is kind of the normal thing, that your kid is showing up, etc. But usually people react well as well. When that happens, it's kind of, you know, people are, oh, how cute, whatever, So, which is really nice. I mean, so, and I really appreciate, you know, these kind of reactions in terms of having different reaction to that. Great point. Sometimes we worry about it. And as you say, when it does happen, the reactions are, are far more positive than negative. Great point. Is there anything that you've tried out that you've experimented with during this time that you chose not to continue? Either it didn't work out well or it didn't get the results that you were looking for. And so you, you tried it out, but you didn't continue it. I think that, for example, one of the things that I learned sometimes is that, you know, when you are at home also, you are living in two different environments at the same time. At the beginning, it's difficult to kind of make this distinction, you know, because you have a specific room like I have now, 
it's kind of, okay, this is work environment. But as soon as you open the door, this is a completely different environment, you know, and there can be many things happening out there as well, you know. So here you can have difficult situations at work, et cetera, but then you go out there and also maybe there is, I don't know, but you know, sometimes there is some discussions or fights or whatever, and then you, you jump into the middle without any kind of buffer. <laughs> so, and this can be complicated. So what I try to do is whenever I cut doing something here, you know, at work, let's say, and I'm going to go out, I take a few breaths, you know, and they say, oh, then I'm going to go out because then if you just go, you know, from one place to the other, most of the times you're going to make a mistake. I'm going to something that is not, you know, you're still somewhere else. So I will say that this is something to learn from my side about the experience of, you know, jumping from one thing to the other without this kind of cutoff line. So having a clear commute, if you will, even if the commute is down it's a hallway, short. you know, kind yes. of a kind of a thing, but it's more the mental commute of going from your workplace to your family place than it is a physical commute. Correct, correct. So I think that this is something that I really think that is very useful. Or really, I like it. You're not doing this, trying to do this very short cut off, you know, from one thing to the other. Great point. I've heard, you know, I've heard folks recommend going out and walking around the block or sort of simulating a fake commute, if you will. But I, <laughs> I like your point of just uh, focus on the mental part and using breathing as a tool right. to help us mentally make that journey. It's just that takes a minute. I mean, you don't have that minute, then I don't know. <laughs> well, you either take that minute or you'll you'll spend ten minutes, as you said, recovering from a misstep later. That's correct. <laughs> Yeah. So, decide, so, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about Wim Hof and cold exposure and cold therapy. I know you're pretty passionate about those and feel like they're important to your quality of life. How did you discover that and, and really begin to integrate that into your habits? Right. So I would say that this was a, a period of my life where I was really working a lot. I mean, it was kind of a lot of work and uh, I was traveling a lot as well. And I decided to take certain changes or to do make certain changes in my life, you know, and especially because I was living in Germany at the time and then my wife was living in Spain. So we were kind of seeing each other once a month. It was really a difficult time. But then my wife got pregnant and then we said, okay, are we going to, what shall we do? And one of the things that I decided is I need to create a space, you know, for making sure that I'm going to be there for my wife and going to be there for my daughter. And I'm going to be also the kind of person that I want to be because my daughter is going to be there and I really want to show her someone that I like. So <laughs> it's kind of, this is kind of the things that, that motivated me. And then I started to take it really more seriously. I mean, it's something that has been always present in my life, you know, trying to be this kind of superhero thing, you know, okay, you know, trying to do things that maybe are not very common, et cetera. And for me, when I discovered the Binhoff method, I think I discovered that through a um, podcast with Tim Ferriss. I said, oh, this is interesting. You know, you can get superpowers. <laughs> so let's try to explore that. And I really engaged, you know, in the 10 weeks course that he has. And I followed through, you know, the 10 weeks. And I said, oh, this is really good. With simple things, you can really, you feel amazing. You really feel really good. And then you are able to do things that others are not able to do. And then you say, hey, this is really good. And, you know, I feel good. And I'm doing that every, every single day because I think that this is how I like to feel, you know, and who I like to be. And so the, the cold is just an extension of that same philosophy? 
Yeah, because the call, I mean, the Wim Hof method is based on breathing exercises. So this, you know, this kind of breathing exercises from the, from the Wim Hof method that is helping you to, let's say, to challenge your system. That is kind of resetting your system because it's putting your system in a lot of stress in a certain, you know, very limited period of time and then relax, stress and relax. And then kind of you reset your system. And then when you go into the call, the call is another part of the Binghoff method, you know. So the call is also challenging you. You are able to go into the call to get this exposure and then to work out your cardiovascular system in an incredible way. So these are kind of the two key pillars. And then I, let's say the third pillar is to be consistent with that, which for me is kind of a natural thing, you know, when I find something that I really like. So these two things, I keep them <laughs> with me. So. Yeah, I like that you've built them as a toolkit and it really sounds like you talked about breathing as your commute. It really sounds like you've kind of reused that tool in the evenings to work as a way to, to be in dad mode relatively quickly, it sounds like. That's correct. And I think that when you start kind of exploring a little bit what the breathing can do for you, it's really amazing because... I mean, it's something that you have fully available. I mean, there is that. If you learn certain simple techniques, you can really get amazing results because, again, breathing connects your sympathetic system with your parasympathetic system. So the voluntary with involuntary system. So you are able to change your state, you know, by changing your breathing, which is just amazing. And again, doesn't require complex things. So you really think that has contributed to your ability to balance a challenging work environment? And really show up as a dad, as you said, to show your daughter the man that you want to be. Those have become pretty critical to you being able to do that, would you say? Yeah, I would say that this, I mean, this is absolutely true, you know, because with that, you can, you can really show up as not 100% of the time. So most of the times you can show yourself up, you know, for being with your daughter in a way that allows you to do that in a proper way, in a proper way, in a way where you're going to enjoy, where you're going to engage with your daughter, where you're going to be there and you're not going to be somewhere else. That can happen very easily, you know, where when you have a lot of stress, etc. At the end of the day, you are doing something, but you are not there. So and I don't know if this is really helpful. So in this case, that helped me to put these boundaries and to separate things. So if, if another parent is listening, as you said, really wants to be able to do that more consistently, what could a first step be in that journey? I would say that you, as a parent, I think that you need to find also the ways to feel good with yourself. And this can be simple things. Again, that doesn't need to be anything complicated. But if you are not able really to go through the day and then to feel good with yourself, you are going to bring that also to when you, you are with your daughter, you know. So try to find things that are helping you to feel, you don't need to feel amazing, but just to feel good that is going to help you to interact with others in a much better way. Is this breathing? This is a very simple thing that you can do it. Is this, I don't know, cold, show, cold showers? Both can be, I mean, again, simple things. I mean, you don't need to do anything. Is this a little bit of sports, you know, doing something that is going to help you to feel good, that is going to, it's going to help you also to interact with others in a, in a better way. Great point. What's the quote? You got to fill your own cup before you can fill another person's cup. So if somebody's interested in the breathing or the cold, specifically as building those toolkits, what might their first steps be for either one of those? Right. So I would say that the first step, you know, there is a super simple breathing exercise that is the, the relaxed breath that is a super simple is a cycle of four seven eight you know so you inhale in four you retain in seven and then you exhale in eight and then you do that for four cycles super easy 
And okay, super simple. I don't know about easy, but, but yes. I, I think I think I could even uh, I think I could remember that. Okay, so four, seven, eight, in for four, hold for seven, out for eight, and do that four times. Four times. You okay. do that twice a day, and it's gonna generate a significant change over the time. I mean, it's not gonna be something that you experience, boom, you know, but this create a you know a calm state of mind, you know, so you feel different. And it's, again, this is not, you, you don't need to invest a lot of time. You don't need to, to I mean, this is not a super complicated thing to do. And cold right. showers, the first, I mean, the easy way to start is you go with your cold shower, et cetera, and then you finish with cold water. So a normal shower, and then it just at the very end. And at the very cold. end, you say, hey, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to challenge myself a little bit. And then you put it, you know, to, you turn into too cold and then you go for it. You know, sometimes, I mean, some people like, ah, but I'm going to do, you know, arms and legs, etc. I mean, you can do it. But in this case, I think that just turn to cold and enjoy the last 10 or 15 seconds of your shower. And then this is going to be, you know, period. It's going to end. So you, you're, it's not going to be something that, <laughs> so the pain is going to stop, you know, <laughs> as soon as, as you switch off the, you just stop the water. So yeah. I love it. Okay. Those are super simple. And I'm glad you broke yeah. that breathing down. I actually wrote it down in my in my little daily notebook. I, I think I'm going to give that a give that a try. I, I'm I'm on and off on the cold showers personally. Yeah. I, I go through phases where I'm really motivated to do it, and then I go through oh, the other phases where it's really hard to convince yourself to. Uh, yeah, I mean, many do people that. doesn't see the point to you know to go through the pain, which I understand, you know. But I think that also, I mean, it's kind of a temporal pain, but it's giving you a lot. I think that in you know. In, and a great lesson for the rest of life, submitting ourselves to uncomfortable situations for short periods of time often has disproportionate positive benefits, right? Correct. So choosing that discomfort and actually seeking it and yeah. recognizing that it's worth it, that the, the benefits come, that that metaphor is, is not lost. It, it carries through in a, in a lot of situations. Absolutely. Great points. All right. I love that you've gone into detail. I've, I've known you a long time and we've never been able to get into this level of detail. So I'm, I'm already feeling like this is a, this is a success, even selfishly just for me. We've got a few folks in the audience. So I'd love to see if there's any Q&A, any questions that are coming to mind for our live audience. All right. Emma's got a question. Emma, come on up to the stage. Hey, Ruben. Hey, Kendra. This has been super interesting to me just because I've heard of the Wim Hof method. I haven't really explored it personally myself, but people in my life have. So this has been interesting to hear your viewpoint. And it sounds like it's something you've been doing for a little while. So I'm kind of interested to hear how the shift from going remote has impacted your personal wellness. Has it given you more time to explore that and dive deeper? Or has it been a little bit more of a challenge just being around your daughter and kind of having more distractions. Just curious about being remote and how that's impacted your personal wellness journey. Right. So thank you Emma, for the question. I would say that at the beginning, it impacted me because I was used to go to the gym on a regular basis. So it's kind of, you know, I have my routine. I go to the gym. I do that on a regular basis. You know, from time to time I go running, but I'm not really a runner. So only kind of once a week, things like that. So at the beginning, I said, okay, what I'm going to do is, is I really need to do for myself. I really need to do sports because you really notice the difference when you do and when you don't. For me, it's a, it's a big difference in my day, you know, if I do something, a sports or not. 
And then you start thinking, when am I going to put that? You know, So how is this going to fit in my day? And I think that as soon as I start finding the time to do it, because at the beginning, I really tried to do my Bing Hof uh, breathing exercises and then going directly into the workout, cold shower, and then starting to work. But it was not really the best way of doing it. So what I did is to split that, you know, so I started with doing the breathing exercises, you know, refresh myself a little bit, going into work mode, more than an hour there, fully focused. And then before waking up my family, doing the, this half an hour of intense exercise. And I think that as soon as I found that, I feel that I'm in the better shape of my life because I'm doing that every single day. So I think that right now, for me, this is really fantastic because I have the dash rhythm and this is really good. And I'm not kind of stopping anything else, you know, so which is really good. Great question, Emma. That's a good point. And Ruben, you're right. It's sort of that same point. If we take the time to figure it out and go through the struggle, sounds like you've, you've come out the other side with maybe even stronger habit than you had before. Yeah. All right. I see Rachel's got a great question as well. Rachel, come on up. Hi, Ruben. Hi, Kendra. So I am curious, now that you have what seems fully adapted to working remotely and your company has adapted, are there plans to go back into the office at some point? And how would you feel about going back into the office now that you know what remote work really is like? Thank you for the question, Rachel. It's it's a really good one. Yeah, I mean, our company already, and I think that this was a very good approach, you know, they really offer us the possibility to work flexible, to have a flexible or a hybrid way of working. So deciding how many days per week you want to work. For me, you know, we are still not going to the office, okay? But I said, okay, let's go one day to the office because it's, I mean, I think that this is good, etc. But I said, I really prefer to stay most of the time, you know, working from home because I found a very a good schedule, a good way of, of fitting the things that are important to me, you know, make sure that I do the work that I have to do, but also, you know, fitting all the other elements that are important in my life. So in this case, going back to the office is not going to be a real problem because of, of the situation, you know, where I have a flexible way of doing it, you know, and then the company is also really facilitating that. So staying remote has really become a priority for you. It has some advantages. Again, I think that again going to the office is, is something also that can be, I mean, it's, it's also something good. But also, you know, recently I also have talked to other, just to put that into perspective, you know, talked to other people that went back to the office and they say, I mean, this has changed, you know, because you go now back to the office and what you have are Zoom calls because nobody is in the office at the same time. So at the end of the day, you are almost doing the, almost the same thing, you know, that you are in front of a screen, you know, with a Zoom call. So I think that also the environment has changed in that way, you know. So the office, I don't know if it's going to be the office like before, you know. So I think that the situation has also changed. So being back in the office doesn't mean that normal has forever changed and will never be the likely the normal that we had before. Yeah, kind of. So it depends on the company, but but this is something that can happen, you know, that the normal is not the normal that we had before. Great point. We sort of freeze those memories pre-pandemic, whether it's work or even things in our personal lives, and we're we're ready for things to go back to normal. I put that in air quotes. To your point, you know, we've all learned and changed. We're not the same people we were two years ago. We're coming really close to really, I think, about the two-year anniversary I remember for us, for me, it was March 11th. I was in the active in the hotel business at the time. And that was yeah. certainly the day it felt like everything shifted. So we're very near 
that. And, and we've done a lot in those couple of years, as you said, Ruben, great, great point. All right, Ruben. Well, thank you so much for your time and wisdom. And, you know, I love that you were just so intentional in reshaping your journey to be able to be excellent at work and also be excellent as a dad and for really sharing with us kind of the real details of how you make that happen consistently. I've certainly learned a lot personally, and I I hope folks listening to this appreciate it just as much. So thank you for being who you are and, and thank you for sharing with us. Thank you, Kendra. Really has been a really great experience for me sharing part of what I do and how I do it. So really, really thank you very much and it was really, really great to be here.